My name is Nicholas Haskins, and over the past 40 years, I have fallen in love with creating in my kitchen. I believe in scratch cooking, fresh ingredients, and positive energy. Join me on this culinary journey as we discuss the weekend food, and I break down a recipe step-by-step for you to make it home. Welcome to Nikolai's Kitchen. Good morning. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. This is my culinary journey of scratch-made food and positivity. I'm super, super thrilled to have you here. If this is your first time, welcome. I hope that you'll stay. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so, so much for coming back, and I love you. I love all of you. You're all absolutely amazing. I hope that you are doing absolutely amazing today. This week's episode is going to be all about mustards and aiolis. How do you guys feel about condiments? I'm someone who is a huge, huge fan of condiments. And back when I started my original food show restaurant, one of my goals at that time was to make more and more and more sauces homemade. But it's something that long predates that. Like I have loved, especially the marinade that I've talked about for my chicken and barbecue sauces. I've been making my own barbecue sauces for decades at this point like there's just something about getting a giant stock pot and chucking in your different sugars your different vinegars your different spices bringing that all to a slow simmer and just letting it kind of slow cook but i had never ever attempted a homemade aioli before i started this show i never attempted a homemade mustard before i started this show and patrons of the show those are the high level patrons you guys are going to get the opportunity to get some of my condiments because the spring VIP basket is going to be three different sauces. And I'm going to finalize what those are. Hopefully by the end of the month, you're going to get six different choices and then everybody's going to pick three. And then those are going to be what you're going to receive from my kitchen in the springtime. Speaking of Patreon, every month on Patreon, 10% of my Patreon earnings go to charity. And for January, I decided to donate that to an animal sanctuary that is right here in my own backyard, right here in the Southern tier, Willow's Wings Animal Sanctuary. So every single month, 10% of my Patreon earnings or $10, and then I usually will double it myself, goes to a charity. And you know, if you guys have any ideas about charities that you guys would like to see donations go to, please let me know. Please leave some comments over on Patreon and let me know some of the different charities that are really, really important to you guys so we can leave some money for them as well. And speaking of charity, the fifth annual live stream for The Cure is coming, ladies and gentlemen, May 19th to May 23rd, 50 hours live on the air with podcast partners and content creators from around the world to raise money for a future immune to cancer. All funds go to the Cancer Research Institute, which researches cancer immunotherapy. So I really, really hope that you'll mark your calendars and join us over on Twitch for just 50 hours. It's so much fun. If you've never seen it before, if you've never joined me for the event before, it is an absolute blast. We get just so many different people and we play so many fun games, so many amazing fun discussions. It's really, really a good time. And we usually do, at least the last couple of years, a food challenge. Last year was jerky from Carnivore Candy. They sent out really, really spicy, amazing jerkies. They sent me like a whole case of them. They were absolutely amazing. I think I'm going to take that one step further this year. 
Speaking of live stream for The Cure, I also want to announce starting tomorrow, the day after you're hearing this, January 19th is the beginning of the 120 challenge. That is 120 days, 120 miles, $120. So I am taking up this challenge and I'm inviting everyone else to join me in this challenge. It is a challenge for wellness and it's a challenge for live stream for the cure because you're basically going to donate $120 during the kickoff event on May 19th in celebration of the 120 challenge. You're going to do 120 miles sometime in that next 120 days. You can do it however you want to do it. If you want to do a mile a day for 120 days, if you want to break it up, if you're somebody who's not used to walking very much, this is something that I really feel, and especially for me, I do this for me because I need to kind of push myself a little bit harder to get myself out there to make sure I'm continuing to move, continuing to exercise, continuing to focus on good health and wellness, being in a positive state of mind, being positively focused forward for my health goals, for my body goals, for everything. So please, please join me. And just whenever you tag anything, use the hashtag 120challenge. I may put together some kind of a prize for everybody that participates. I'm not 100% sure yet. I want to see how many people are actually interested in doing it. But please head over to the Facebook group, which I want to talk about in just a moment here. Head over to the Facebook group, which is groups. And you can see find the link down in the show notes. The link's down in the show notes. I don't know why I ever like say out the URL. Maybe because you're, you know, maybe you're driving when you're listening to this or whatever. But visit the show notes. It will have all the links that you need for the show, everything that's important for you to know. Head over there and say that you're taking up the 120 challenge. Check in your progress. Let me know. Let us know as a community of people who are dedicating ourselves to better health, better wellness, and to donating for a future immune to cancer. I personally am going to donate $1 for every mile I do. I plan on doing way more than 120, but I want to get more people involved in this. And like I said, if you're somebody who doesn't really walk a lot or you don't really do that kind of thing, it's just 120 miles in 120 days. You can do a mile a day. It takes 15 to 20 minutes. And if you're somebody who's like really fit and, you know, really into running or exercise or whatever, it takes like you know, seven to 10. So please, please join me. It's going to be an absolutely amazing time. I cannot wait to kick off this event. And speaking of the Facebook group, as I said, it has finally, finally, after the show, what, two months after it finally launched, it is now called the dining room. It used to be reserved seating, which totally made sense for the restaurant podcast because part of that show was reviewing restaurants. That's no longer part of what I do. I just talk about my own culinary journey, my own journey in the kitchen. So what better name for the Facebook group than the dining room? So once again, down in the show notes, please head over and join the Facebook group. And this is where I want you guys to share your culinary journey. What are you making? What are you cooking? What fun things have you found in the food community out there? And I want to veer back into wellness as we veer into the positivity for this week and talk about yoga. Namaste. Yoga is something that I never, ever took seriously before. I tried once a long time ago after I got out of college to do P90X yoga, which should never, repeat never, be the type of yoga that you try to do if you've never done yoga. Literally never. Don't ever do that to yourself. 
But last year, a friend of mine was doing it uh, and during the Epic Film Guys Fitness Challenge. And I said, you know what? I'm going to join you. So I joined her and I started uh, with Yoga with Adrian, which I'll put the link for that down in the show notes as well. But basically, Adrian does these 30-day journeys where you can do yoga every single day. And then she releases all these other videos all throughout the year where you can do different things. And I got to tell you, as a big guy who is not very flexible... It is changing my life every single day, every single time I get down on the mat. And one of the first things that it has taught me and one of the first things that it has really, really given me is something that I've already talked about when I talk about positivity here on this show. And that is quite simply, breathe, breathing, just taking a very conscious breath and letting everything go, letting everything fall away in that moment when you're breathing, just everybody take a moment right now. And you know, some of you may be driving or I don't know what the circumstance may be, but I'm just going to let some stillness kind of come over us. We still got some music, some light music playing in the background here. You can find the link for that down in the show notes as well. But just take a few moments here and just take a few conscious breaths. And if you can, if you're in a position where you can, just close your eyes and let everything about the day, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, let all of the stress of your day melt away. Let all of the hardship, let all of the craziness, all of the negativity that this world is filled with, let everything fall away. Just you such peace it centers me so so much and yoga's got a lot of great physical benefits it really does it has made me more flexible it has made me stronger and it has made me you know better when i'm out running or walking like it has definitely really helped to gain that additional flexibility i love doing it i'm doing a current 30-day challenge she started a new 30-day series at the beginning of the year because she does every year and i am absolutely loving it this one has been more challenging than the last couple that i've done but I'm here for it and I'm definitely, definitely ready to make it happen. The more important thing that I've gotten from yoga though is the breathing and the mental benefits that yoga offers because I am somebody who is so busy and I overload myself and I overwhelm myself with things to do so much all the time. I'm constantly overdoing it and doing too much, constantly putting too much on my plate. And yoga is a chance for me to let it all go, to just recenter myself, to focus myself, to focus my thoughts. Sometimes there are a million different thoughts racing through my head all at the same time, all of them colliding and smashing and crashing into one another. Yoga is a chance for me to just... breathe and let it go. This isn't me telling you to do yoga. 
I think everybody should, honestly. It's something that I would definitely recommend to everyone. But if you're somebody who was for the longest time like me saying like, eh, it's not going to help me or it doesn't have any benefit for me, start just with the mental benefits. Start just with just taking a few minutes for yourself or just five minutes for yourself every day. Quiet everything around you. No noise, no devices, no distractions. Sit cross-legged. Just hold your hands out in front of you on your knees and just consciously breathe. Consciously breathe. Let everything and everyone and all of the troubles, everything that you've got going on in your life, let it just melt away and disappear. You'll start to notice just how much like that does for you, how beneficial that is, how great it feels. I promise you it will change your life. I promise you it will. So please give it a shot if you're somebody who's interested in it. If you're not, I get it. I definitely understand it. But I would definitely at least try to take the mental benefits for it. Rebecca's doing this 30-day journey with me. I'm so, so grateful to not only be doing another yoga journey, but also to have someone so amazing who is doing it alongside me. It really helps to motivate me. It really helps to push me further in that journey. Speaking of Rebecca, I want to talk about this week in food, because once again, there's not a whole lot to report this week in food outside of, of course, what we're talking about later on for our featured recipes. But this week in food, I just made some pizza, made some chicken parm with tentacles, as I called them. Uh, Yeah, I once again had a food fail, guys. So I haven't made homemade pasta in a hot minute. And I specifically haven't made like homemade spaghetti or homemade like any kind of noodles, as it were, in an even longer time. And then the last time I did was sometime over the summer before I restarted the show, where I rolled out my pasta dough flat, came out perfectly, the dough came out perfectly. And then I cut thin strips and I just sat there rolling the strips together into strands of spaghetti one at a time. Took me like three hours for two portions. It was amazing. And I will never do it again because I don't know why I just have this blank in my head. Like once you get the pasta dough like thinned out to that portion, like when it's all rested and ready to go, you roll it out really thin and then you just fold it in on itself and just cut the little strips with a knife and then you unfurl them and boom, you've got your pasta right there. I don't know why that kind of disappeared out of my brain. I just watching like different, you know, cooking videos and YouTube videos and all sorts of different things of different people doing it. I'm like, Nick, what are you doing? <laughs> just like, I, I don't know why. So I decided to make homemade pasta when Rebecca was here this past weekend, and uh, I didn't have enough semolina flour for one. And then two, I like to use egg yolk when I make my pasta. Some people will just use eggs or egg whites. I personally like to use egg yolk, but I didn't work the ratio correctly for how much egg yolk I needed to make the pasta dough. So I ended up making it way too, you know, way light on the egg. And then I compensated for that. Well, I did make it with red wine. But I compensated for the egg yolk by just adding more water and more olive oil instead. And so I ended up getting something that was kind of a, you know, halfway to a bread or more even of a bready consistency and a bready texture. But what that meant is the dough just did not work as pasta dough at all. I could not get it thin. I could not get it to flatten out. So I rolled it as thin as I possibly could. And then I finally, finally got it thin enough where I thought it was okay, 
cut it into thin strips, and then, you know, unfurl them, chuck that into the water, and... Ugh. Now, they weren't as bad as the first time I ever attempted pasta. That was a few years ago when I made it for a restaurant. And that, I did what I had done over the summer. I just rolled out a thin sheet and just cut strips out of it. Except for I didn't roll it nearly thin enough, so they were like... They were... I mean, you're talking like... They were huge. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something comparable in my head right now, but like think of like a like a pen, like if you were writing something with a pen or a pencil, like they there were some of them that were probably like that big, in terms of like pasta tentacles. I don't think any of the ones I made this past weekend were quite that big. They were at least thinner, but yeah, I mean that just goes to show, and and this is a lesson that I'm constantly reminding myself of and constantly trying to learn for myself when I'm in the kitchen. Take your time, take your time, and don't. You know, like if you have to adapt something or if you have to change something out or if you have to rework something or do something a little bit different, then make sure you have a plan for that ahead of time. Don't just try to wing it in the moment. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it's going to go great. Sometimes it will be fantastic. Other times you're going to end up with big bready pasta noodles. It still tasted pretty good. Rebecca made the chicken and it turned out absolutely amazing. She does not give herself enough credit as a cook. It really, really turned out absolutely amazing. We just, uh, you know, breaded it, did a flour egg and then breadcrumbs and then, you know, browned it in a skillet, tossed it in the oven to finish. Boom. Perfect. Turned out absolutely amazing. Served it with a generous, very, very generous heap of mozzarella cheese. And honestly, I just had some store-bought sauce because... I love to make pasta sauce, but when I make it, I make it in bulk. The problem is, is I've been making so many sauces and so many different things lately. I don't have any free containers or free jars right now. <laughs> so I really wanted to make more pasta sauce and I couldn't because I just don't have any container space to do it. So I just, you know, bought some grandma's Pomodoro sauce, I believe is what it's called at Wegmans. If you live near Wegmans and you get it, I really love it. It's a very, very simple marinara. It's tomato, garlic, onion, basil, olive oil. That's it. That's all that's in it. That's it. You know, I love it. The simplicity of it, because that's what I believe a good marinara sauce should be. It should be tomato forward and it should be simplistic. We're going to talk a lot more about pasta sauces sometime down the road, because there's a lot of different variations, a lot of different things that I like to try to do with pasta sauces and different marinara sauces, red sauces, tomato sauces in general. The only other thing I can really report is breakfast pizza. Are you guys breakfast pizza fans? So here's a challenge I've been kind of doing for myself, and I started posting about this over in the Facebook group as well, but just eggs, eggs, egg experimentation. <laughs> Sorry, I won't do that again. But I've uh, I've never been 100% happy with my scrambled eggs or my omelets. And there's so many different methods of cooking eggs, so many different ways you can cook eggs. I've been really, really trying to do some different things. And I stumbled upon a video where uh, Jacques Pepin talks about two different styles of making omelets, a country omelet which is typically more of what I make, you know, where your heat is a little bit lower, where you don't really stir it or mess with it a whole lot. And then you kind of, you know, fold it or roll it in over itself. And then the French omelet, which is something that's high heat and it's made very, very fast. And um, you can do scrambled eggs like this as well. So it's something that I've been really challenging myself to try to do. And I've got to tell you, I'm kind of a fan of the French style. I'm kind of a fan of like you get that heat to like mid high, like warm up your pan. Don't put anything in it yet. 
warm up your pan to like mid high. And then when that pan gets nice and warm, you toss your butter in, just get it just melted and then hit those eggs in there. And then the whole time you are with one hand shaking that pan, constantly stirring it with your left hand or your right hand, whatever handed you are that you don't stir with. And then you've got a spatula in the other hand and you're constantly mixing them and constantly breaking up that curd. And then literally it's probably on the heat for maybe 30 seconds. Gas, this works so much better than it does with electric. But once you hit about 30 seconds, get it off of the heat and just kind of stir it a little bit more. Get it to the kind of creaminess, the consistency that you really want. And then that's, that's perfect. It, they turn out really, really, really amazing. And I decided to make breakfast pizza with these eggs. And I just did some red onion. I did a homemade cheddar cheese sauce, mozzarella cheese over the top. Now, this thing definitely, definitely wanted for some protein. I've done these with bacon and I've also done these with breakfast sausage. Rebecca doesn't eat pork. So I forgot, just completely blanked on actually picking up some chicken sausage because I really think just, just a protein, something that has like that kind of browned food flavor in there, like a nice seared sausage flavor would have been perfect for this, would have complemented it perfectly. But as far as the rest of this thing goes, oh, what a dream this thing was. I talked about it last week when we talked about homemade bread, but I absolutely nailed and landed completely on that pizza dough recipe as well. So it is just amazing. It, it, it just turned out absolutely wonderful. I'm so, so glad that I made it. I've got another one working in the fridge right now, another dough. I froze it. When you make dough in that portion, it makes three separate pizza doughs. So I froze one of them and now it's thawing in the fridge this week. I'm going to make a pizza with red onion, bacon, and green apples. Cannot wait. I'm going to make another cheese sauce and put that over that as well. We're going to run over into a break, everyone. We're going to fade up the music here. Everybody just take a few moments while you listen to the music and just continue to breathe, relax, let everything go. When we come back, it's all about mustard and aioli. I can't wait to talk to you guys about this journey because this is something that I had never attempted before I started doing this show. And I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it right after this. My journey with mustard and aioli has been fraught with frustration, at least as far as the mustard goes. I wanted to make a couple of different attempts at both of these before I talked about them on the show because I want to workshop. If I'm going to do things, I want to workshop them in my kitchen so that way I know that they're going to work out. That way I know if they're going to be okay. And the first time I attempted mustard was a disaster. And I'm going to talk about a recipe from servedfromscratch.com. The link will be in the show notes for that. And I also think I looked up a mustard recipe on Spruce Eats as well. A couple different food blogs because I'd never made homemade mustard before. I had no idea how to do it. So 
the recipe over on Surf from Scratch, you know, you take mustard seeds and you get like some shallots and some wine, some vinegar, all those different kinds of things. And you chuck them into little jars, let it soak for like eight hours or overnight or whatever. And then you blitz it in a food processor or blender and then boom, you've got mustard. Well, I didn't know because again, I've never done it before. I didn't know just how much that horseradish flavor in brown and black mustard seeds comes through when you're making homemade mustard. Like, I don't know what they do to store-bought Dijon mustard to temper that, but it is way, like, I have never had mustard that is this horseradishy ever. And I'm not, like, a super fan of horseradish, so it's going to still be some trial and error to hit my stride in this. But I also looked up the first time I ever made mustard, if you could just use any kind of vinegar, because I really wanted to give it a go. I ordered a whole bunch of different types of mustard seeds from Amazon, got everything that I needed, got shallots, got wine, you know, and I was like, oh, God, the only kind of vinegar I have is apple cider vinegar. Can I just use any kind of vinegar? Type, type, type into Google. Oh, yeah. So, so many different food blogs were like, it doesn't really matter what kind of vinegar you use. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does. It really, really does. You need a more subtle vinegar. You need something more subtle, like a wine vinegar, red or white wine vinegar. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about a mustard or two mustards in the fact that I did with champagne vinegar or just normal white vinegar, not apple cider vinegar. It ends up to me anyway, it ends up completely overpowering everything. I made a yellow mustard just straight up with just yellow mustard seeds. Tried to do it with that. I threw it away. It tasted terrible. It tasted like vinegar paste. I love vinegar too, but I wasn't going to eat vinegar paste. <laughs> it just did not turn out very well. So when I came back for round two, I was determined to do something a little bit different. And I wanted to make some champagne mustard and I wanted to make some red wine mustard. Now, I'm still going to be working these. And even when I had Rebecca try them, you know, they're definitely very spicy. She tried the red wine mustard that I made and it's heavier on the brown mustard seed. So it's very spicy. It's very horseradishy. If you're somebody who likes that kind of thing. And when we talk about that for the Patreon, like you top tier patrons out there, let me know if that's something you want, because I'll send it to you if you want something that's like a spicy spicy Dijon mustard because I've made them. <laughs> but basically your base mustard recipe. So when you want to do anything base mustard, let's break it down. You need six tablespoons of mustard seeds. Okay. You need a half of a teaspoon of peppercorns, three quarters of a teaspoon of coarse sea salt, two tablespoons of finely diced red onions or shallots. You choose here. Half of a teaspoon of ground turmeric. Did you know that mustard is a very, very pale yellow color at best? It doesn't get to be that kind of yellow mustard that we super recognize until you add turmeric to it. And I love turmeric and turmeric is really, really good for you. So make sure you add some in here. And then you need a third of a cup of vinegar. And then you need a third of a cup of some type of wine. So that's kind of the base recipe that I'm working from here. And I did three different variations on that that I'm going to tell you guys about right now. Two of these I did with champagne. I bought champagne vinegar and I bought a spumante, which is definitely a much sweeter champagne. And then I bought extra dry champagne. Okay. And just a third of a cup of each of them. And I let it flatten out a little bit. I left them out on the counter for a little bit to let it get flatter because I didn't want to introduce the carbonation into the mustard necessarily, just the champagne flavor. And I did, one of them was four tablespoons of yellow mustard seeds, two tablespoons of brown mustard seeds. Now to make this, 
I actually got that huge, amazing mortar and pestle from Drew. When I talked about it earlier in the run here on Nikolai's Kitchen, he heard that and he sent it to me. Drew, you are a treasure. I love you. This mortar and pestle is amazing. So I chucked the peppercorns and the sea salt into the mortar and pestle, got those ground, and then chucked in the mustard seeds and then ground this until it was a fine powder. I tried the first time I made this to just soak the whole mustard seeds and then blitz it in a blender or food processor. To me, it's still too granular. And I've had whole seed Dijon mustards before that I like, that I enjoy. But when I want like a standard mustard, when I just want to kind of have a mustard to enjoy for whatever purpose, then I want it to be a little bit more sauce-like, you know, if if that makes sense, I think. <laughs> So I did all that in the mortar and pestle, got that ground down really, really nicely. And then I did two tablespoons of finely diced red onion, the turmeric, and then a third of a cup of champagne vinegar, and then a third of a cup of extra dry champagne. So I did extra dry with the heavier on the yellow mustard seeds. This one is my favorite one. This one turned out excellent. And it really, like... After that first disaster, after that first debacle, I was really, really worried that I was not going to be able to nail a mustard. And now I would say if you want something more in the yellow variety, I'm still kind of trying to find something that airs closer to like a French's yellow. Some people don't like that. Like Rebecca is not a big fan of French's yellow. She likes more Dijon. I love Dijon mustards too. I'm German. I love having mustard, Dijon mustard on my German sausages and stuff. Love it. But yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I just have a soft spot too for yellow mustard. And number one thing, when you're trying to lose weight and when you're doing, like I did drop the sugar and one of the biggest things when, you know, doing drop the sugar is like, I need to find something that's a condiment because I still love condiments and sauces that I can put onto things that I'm going to actually be able to enjoy. Like that doesn't have any sugar in it. Mustard's perfect for that. Mustard's perfect because like just straight up, like just normally yellow mustard, it doesn't even have calories in it, you know, and even just like Dijon mustard or anything like that, it's got very, very, very few, you know, mustard is so good and it's got so many different good elements into it. So I just absolutely love it. So that's the extra dry champagne mustard I did. Honestly, if I make that one again, I would air more on the side of the yellow mustard seeds, cut back the brown by about half. And I think next time I make it, that is what I'm going to try. Next variety I made, I made it with the specific intention of making my homemade garlic honey mustard out of it, which didn't succeed probably quite as well as I wanted it to, because there's still a granular sort of texture to the mustard seed and everything else. And I don't believe that plays very well when you're trying to do honey mustard. I blitzed it and blitzed it and blitzed it over and over and over in the blender to try to get it to work right. And it just never, it just never set up right. But it, I mean, it still tastes pretty good, but this one, I did a mixture of three tablespoons of yellow and three tablespoons of black mustard seeds and a third of a cup of spumante. Everything else is, uh, is still the same. And then once this was ground down into, you know, the powder and everything was combined together and then soaked, you know, I let it soak and then blitzed it in a blender. Like I said, I worked it and worked it and worked it. It just never quite hit what I wanted it to. And it's just a little bit, even as a honey mustard, like, again, the horseradishy nature of these is, like, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. Like I, like I said, I don't know what they do for store-bought Dijon mustard to temper that horseradishy taste. But, yeah, this is, like, raw and, like, straight up. So the third one I did, which I actually think this one is pretty good, but I do agree with Rebecca. It's a touch too spicy. 
Uh, this one I did two tablespoons of yellow, four tablespoons of brown mustard, and then I did a third of a cup of red wine vinegar and a third of a cup of a dry Pinot Noir. Now, don't go ham on this thing. You know, you don't want to spend like $25 on a bottle of wine. Granted, it is only a third of a cup. So even if you use something that's a little bit nicer, it's not like you're wasting a ton of wine, you know, but you get those kind of earthier red wine elements in there, which is why I wanted to air more on the brown side for this. It definitely is a spicier brown mustard, definitely far more prominent in terms of horseradish. <laughs> But it's still, it, it, like I said, I, I agree with Rebecca. I think it is a little bit too spicy. I think if you cut the ratio of this back, maybe to do like the first ratio I did, the four and two, I think with the red wine elements in there, it would really, really, really come together very, very nicely. So yeah, I'm tentatively, tentatively okay with mustard. I think that my mustard journey is okay. And uh, granted, there's still so much to learn. There's still so much to do. There's still so much to try. but. I think I'm on a good path here, and I think I am actually, you know, making good making good strides here. So when I made the honey mustard out of the spumante mustard, by the way, that's basically roughly a 55-45 ratio. I do about 55 mustard, 45 honey, because I still like the mustard flavor to be more prominent slightly, but I do want that backbone of sweetness in there when I do the honey. And this is just something, you know, I chop up say 10 to 12 cloves of garlic and chuck that all in there and mix it all up, chuck it into a saucepan and just let it come to a quick boil just enough to bring all the elements together. You don't need to sit here and cook this, but just enough to bring it together turned out really, really good. Rebecca doesn't like honey mustard. I don't know why. I love it. <laughs> now let's move on from mustard and let's talk about aioli. Now, aioli is pretty much mayonnaise. I think there is at least some distinction between them. I have never attempted to just make straight up mayonnaise and I don't know what that distinction is. So if you know what it is, you can tell me. I'm not the biggest mayonnaise person. I like the idea of it, but I also like the idea of infusing it with like a lot of different flavors, which is why I love aioli because it's basically like mayonnaise e, but it's also filled with a lot of other different elements like lemon and garlic, different herbs and spices and all sorts of things. The first time I ever attempted to do an aioli, I made it at Rebecca's house, I believe. And I kind of followed this recipe from the spruce seats. I'll post that down in the show notes. But I kind of followed the recipe and I chucked in, you know, some rosemary, a bunch of different things. And I kind of kept feeding things into the little food processor that she has. And just to kind of see what would happen and where it would go. And I don't know if I ever got there with it. I don't know if I ever, it, it, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. But, you know, it, it just definitely wasn't what I was looking for. So then I attempted this again, and I'm going to give you two different variations of this here. They are generally very similar. They are generally the same, but I've done a few different versions of aiolis now, all of which have turned out relatively good. And I cannot wait to continue playing in this space because it's something that's very forgiving. It's not like mustard. Mustard is mustard. Mustard ostensibly tastes like mustard. Aioli you can make taste like whatever you want. You can do whatever you want with it. I did a sautéed onion aioli. I just sautéed like two red onions uh, in red wine and just really cooked them down, softened them up, brought out that sweetness, that caramelization. And then I chucked them into the food processor with the aioli, with like a base aioli recipe. And then just made it, it, it turned out incredible. It was so good. I can't, I couldn't believe it. I actually have made that in a hot minute. Now I'm talking about it. Now I really want to go make it. 
I'm going to finish recording this episode first. though. <laughs> so base aioli recipe, base aioli for egg yolks. I like egg yolks. I like that just density of flavor, that texture in there. You can use, I mean, the, the recipe I believe from Spruce Eats uses whole eggs. I don't. I like egg yolks. So four egg yolks, three tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, one teaspoon of sugar, two tablespoons of Dijon mustard, a cup of olive oil, salt and pepper to taste. That's it. Chuck everything but the olive oil into a food processor. Pulse it until everything is pretty well combined. And then you're going to turn on your food processor and then you're slowly, very slowly in like a slow drizzling stream, going to drip your olive oil into the food processor and let it keep working. What's going to happen is it's going to start to emulsify that oil and that egg as it works together and works together and works together until it gets that nice, beautiful kind of mayonnaise creamy texture to it. And then that's it. That's aioli. That is literally as simple as it is. You chuck everything into a food processor and it does all the work for you. If you had to do this by yourself, I can't you know. <laughs> Some things, I mean, I, you know, they're also talking to the guy that took a mortar and pestle to mustard seeds to make homemade mustard. So, I mean, you know, there's different applications for different things. Out of that variation, I did a lemon garlic aioli. So I added lemon zest and three cloves of garlic to it. Again, whenever you add ingredients to this kind of thing, you just chuck them all into the food processor together and then drizzle in your olive oil. That's it. Uh, I also, again, did the sauteed onion. Like I said, just sauteed a couple of onions and just chucked them into the base aioli recipe, blitzed it together. Turned out amazing. But I want to talk to you guys most specifically about blueberry aioli. This was something that I decided on a whim when I was at Rebecca's house the other weekend to just try to make this. And I kind of forgot how exactly to make aioli. So I wrote this down as I made it. And honestly, texturally for me, I preferred this one in terms of texture. Still has four egg yolks, but it also has a quarter of a cup of diced red onion, two cloves of garlic, two tablespoons of Dijon mustard, the juice of two lemons, black pepper, salt, and one and a half cups of olive oil. So you're getting a little bit more volume out of this one. You're also adding that red onion in there and more mustard and more lemon. So it's really going to amp it up. This one in terms of, in terms of aioli turned out just, it's got less of a garlic flavor. You could probably amp that up if you love garlic. Like, I mean, I love garlic. I just wanted something that had a lot of flavors going for it. That wasn't just garlic, but, oh, this one was a dream. And then I took out a half a cup of it when it was done. And I threw in a quarter of a cup of just fresh blueberries. So a half a cup of the finished aioli, quarter of a cup of blueberries, blitzed it together, and it turned out perfectly. Turned out amazing. I tried to replicate it at home, and I actually had to increase the egg yolk and the olive oil and because uh, I did a half a cup of blueberries into the whole thing. So I had to do five egg yolks and two cups of olive oil to really get it to come together, and it's pink now. But it turned out also really, really, really good. And like I said, aioli is definitely something like mustard. I'm still shaky on mustard. I'm still not there on mustard. I still haven't quite cracked it, but aioli, oh, these, if you've never done this, if you have a food processor or if you even have a blender, if it, not even if you don't have a food processor, but if you have a blender where you can like take the lid off or you can take like, like some blenders, like my Ninja has like a little thing that you can flip up, like to make a pour spout for it, but you can also pour stuff into it that way. Other blenders have like that little middle piece that you can take out and drizzle things in there. If you have a blender or food processor, please try to make your own aioli. Just please try it. Number one, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a lot of 
pretty relatively, except for the olive oil, relatively cheap ingredients like eggs, onion, garlic, mustard, lemons. Like it's all stuff that's relatively easy to find and it's all stuff that's relatively inexpensive. Take this recipe, chuck a bunch of stuff into a food processor, blitz it together, drizzle that olive oil in there, and let me know what you think of it. Because if you haven't ever made a homemade aioli before, I promise you, it's going to change your world. It's going to absolutely change your world. And that is it for another episode of Nikolai's Kitchen. I love you guys so, so much. Thank you guys so much for always taking the time to listen. The comments, the amazing comments I get on social media, sharing the show, whatever it is that you do to help me out on this culinary journey. I love you. Thank you so, so much. It means the absolute world to me. Find the show out there everywhere that you can find podcasts, except for Spotify for whatever reason. And I don't know why I got to reach out to Podbean, but Spotify keeps kicking the show back and saying the URL is invalid, but it's the feed URL that comes from Podbean. So I'm not sure how or why that would be a thing or why that isn't working through Spotify, but I'm Desperately trying to get up on Spotify, but I am literally everywhere else you can think of. iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Overcast. I'm literally everywhere. Just search for me out there if you want to find my podcast. You will find me. Please, again, leave the show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not, please help me get into more ears. Please, please, please help me reach more ears. It would mean the absolute world to me. Next week on the show, as we were supposed to do in episode 10, but unfortunately schedules and life and the world being what it is, it ended up getting bumped. Episode 12 is finally going to be the random recipe challenge. I cannot wait to do this again. I have absolutely loved doing this every single time. It has really challenged me to use some different ingredients that I'm not used to using and maybe try some styles of cooking that I'm not used to trying. I definitely still have a lot of weaknesses in the kitchen in terms of different ingredients and different styles. So I'm really, really excited to see what I can do. I'm really, really excited to see what you guys throw at me to see what I can come up with. So look for that post on social media probably tomorrow, along with information about the 120 challenge. That's going to be all over social media as well. I love you guys so, so much. Thank you so much for listening, for taking a little bit of your time to come on this culinary journey with me. You are amazing. Stay amazing. Stay beautiful. Have an absolutely incredible week. And thank you so, so much for coming on this journey with me. Mm-hmm.